0: In the name of God of love, the balm in our Gilead, amen. Amen. When I pray, I am always so grateful for the assured confidentiality that comes with that arrangement. I can say whatever I want to God, and God won't tell anyone. (laughs) I'm also grateful for the grace that comes to me in those conversations. I do not feel harshly judged or shamed or ridiculed for the questions that are in my head or the contents of my heart. Any judgment or shame or ridicule I do hear or feel comes from a source other than the God of love to whom I am praying. I am grateful, too, for the perspective my conversations with God give me. For a time, I'm able to see the struggles of my life, my deepest questions and longings in a a perspective that is bigger than my own—a view from above, if you will. Most of all, though, I am grateful for the love that I feel surrounded by when I pray. Though I am over fifty years old and my parents are both now deceased, the desire to be held assured, and loved unconditionally has not waned. God seldom disappoints in this regard, though I may not feel it all the time. We are, as a community in this season of Lent, in the pray part of our way of love journey we are taking this year. Teach me your ways, O Lord, teach me to pray. Being able to pray is a gift, and it is not one I have always enjoyed. The ability to pray can seem to come and go as unpredictably as the wind Jesus references in the reading from John's Gospel. I believe prayer is a response to not a conjuring of God. That is, whenever we pray, we are responding to an invitation from God to come, have a chat. When we worship together, it is the same. We are, all of us, here this morning not to make God happen. We are here because God happened. And we responded. Nicodemus, our friend from this Gospel story, was a Pharisee. Now, try to erase from your mind that old paradigm of Pharisee bad, Jesus good. The Pharisees were one group of Jewish people in the time of Jesus. The Pharisee is a learned man, as Jesus was who would have known the Torah inside and out. But he has something to say to his fellow Jew and rabbi colleague, Jesus. We know, Nicodemus says, we know that you are from God. I see in this story a man who has made his life about being an authority invited to consider that despite all his training and his stature in the community there might just be something left for him to learn. There might be something new to understand about how God might be moving in his life. Nicodemus could not doubt He didn't feel like he had permission to wonder. He needed the cover of night, right, to hide his encounter, for fear his friends and family and other colleagues might discover he didn't have all the answers. It's not Nicodemus' fault. It's how he was groomed. For his courage, for taking this risk in asking the foolish question or seeking a connection with Jesus he isn't supposed to want, Nicodemus is rewarded. In this encounter with Jesus, he receives grace. Jesus doesn't send him on his way and tell him to come back when he isn't ashamed. Jesus doesn't say, as I may have, out of my ego, you know, Nicodemus, why don't you come back and talk to me when we can sit in broad daylight? Why don't you seek my wisdom when you aren't embarrassed to be seen with me? Further, Jesus tells him that his seeking and his wondering shows that he has already, in fact, been born from above. He is able to see things others cannot see. He has a perspective that is beyond his grooming. It is a God perspective, a God question. What a beautiful, wise, loving response to Nicodemus. Nicodemus teaches us to pray and Jesus shows us what we might expect when we do. Like any time we spend in prayer, Nicodemus is met with grace and wisdom and, oh yeah, love. God so loved the world, Jesus tells Nicodemus near the end of their encounter. God so loved the world. That's why Jesus is doing what he is doing and saying what he's doing, saying what he's saying. Not to condemn the world, but to love it into transformation. You are loved, Nicodemus, Jesus says. You are loved more than you could possibly imagine. This interaction with Nicodemus teaches us to pray in our conversations with God, but it also holds deep wisdom for how we might pray through our actions in the world. As a white male growing up in the United States, I have been groomed to believe that I should know all the answers, that I should be able to imagine all the possible solutions. Not knowing the answer, not having a way to fix a problem, undoes me in a way I am often embarrassed to admit. I struggle as a leader in the church that I don't know what will fix all the problems we face as a people in this world. Poverty, racism, sexism, and misogyny. I am confronted daily with my limitations as I try to face these challenges that are generations and centuries or millennia in the making. Despair tempts me as I think of the work in front of us and the time it will take us to get there. It undoes me that I can't tell you the four steps you can take to make sure you don't get sick. Too often, I am forced to stand with Nicodemus as he wonders with God and asks simply, how can these things be? Sometimes, when I get up my courage and I'm at my boldest, I might seek wisdom from a colleague under the cover of night. I am often, in these conversations, afraid I will say the wrong thing, that I will ask the wrong question, or betray an ignorance I ought to not have. I wonder if this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus doesn't hold deep wisdom for how we might move forward together as God's people in the world today. I wonder if, like Nicodemus, we might risk asking questions we don't think we should have. If we might risk vulnerability we have been encouraged to seal over. If we might open our hearts to the wisdom of someone we aren't supposed to listen to. If we might try practice sitting at the feet of those we have been told we should be standing over. I wonder what might happen if we encouraged each other to have all the questions, not all the answers. If we supported each other in listening for the way the Spirit is moving and in the meantime held one another in abundant grace and abiding love while we fumble our way through together. We might begin by speaking aloud to God what we cannot yet imagine ourselves saying out loud to anyone else. We might begin by asking God the questions to which we are supposed to have those answers. We might start by asking God for the perspective we can't yet see, or for the way forward we don't yet know. And maybe, just maybe, When we take it to God, and in taking it to God, we receive that grace, and that love, and that wisdom that Nicodemus received, we might just be able to take it to each other. And when we take it to each other, we create relationships of grace, communities of mercy built on the solid foundation of the love God has for us made known to us in the one who came because God loved us, loves us so much. So then, in that love, in word and in deed, let us pray.